with Brent Costello and Cam Brown. You're listening to The Water Boys. We certainly are for our seventh year of the Water Boys. Good morning to you wherever you're listening to us across this beautiful state of Tasmania. Welcome back to 2017 of the Water Boys. Cam Brown. Welcome back to you too, Brent. It's How been a are while. You? It has I'm been. going well. December 4 was our last show, it? so it's been a long time. And a uh, big summer of sport, and we'll be right across that in the next segment of the show. But uh, you had a good break, did you? Oh, I did. Yeah, yeah. Good. Spent lots of uh, time with uh, family and friends, which is what holidays uh, should be all about. It's a good time of the year to be around Hobart. It is, isn't it? Be said. Plenty on, that's for sure. Plenty on the show this morning as well to kick us off in style for 2017. Run us through it, Ken. Well, the run, the bridge run, is uh, happening at the moment. We're going to be across that with Richard Walsh shortly, so that'll be terrific. Cricket Tasmania, we're going to be discussing all things cricket cool. in what's been turbulent times, it's got to be said, over the last couple of weeks. And uh, some big news there, obviously, with Dan Marsh. Damien Wright, all sorts of things. Our Shield team aren't performing uh, as well as we would like, so we'll be talking about that. Blast from the past. So it's a little bit of a... It's a similar... Do you want to talk us through this, Brent? Because well, this is a segment which... Uh, you moaned and groaned about, you know, guess who and who am I oh, last year. It was too, too hard easy this, for me. too oh, hard yeah. that. So. Do you want me to go to the audio, oh. Brent? It's only like 91%. <laughs> inside 10 seconds. So Blast from the past is the same setup. We'll talk to someone from the past, a superstar of this chosen sport, but I'll give you a few clues before we get them on the line, Cam, and see if you can guess who it is, just to make it a little easier. Don't embarrass the guest, Brent. No, I've never heard of you, sorry. So I haven't got any questions. <laughs> you will have heard of our guest today. There's no doubt about that. Uh, plenty coming up in extra time after 9 o'clock on the show this morning. Terrific day at North Hobart Oval yesterday for the NRL trial match between the Melbourne Storm and Canterbury Bulldogs. We catch up with the coach, Craig Bellamy, and the superstar Storm player in Cooper Cronk. Uh, they're joining us just after 9 o'clock. Also, we'll be right across the footy can the JLT Community Series is up and about. We'll go through the game so far this weekend. AFLW has been an instant hit, so we'll be right across that as well. Questions Without Notice is back too for 2017. And we wind up the show with our traditional way of episode numbers and uh, lots on the cards today and as far as birthdays go. And we wind back the clock to 1987 to go through our favourite song of that particular year. That's all coming up this morning on our first edition of The Water Boys for 2017 here on 101.7 7HLFM. Good morning. Nothing's changed. We kick off 2017 the way we did in 2016 with this. 7HLFM's Water Boys, the week that was. This is where we dissect the week that was in a local, national and international sport camp. But really, it's the summer that was this morning because we haven't seen each other for a long time. So plenty to get through. Sydney to Hobart was fantastic this year. Of course, we saw the retirement of Wild Oats 11, uh, which caused uh, a big upset to take place with perpetual oil coming through and uh, getting light on us. Yeah, Wild Oats was going for how many, Brent? It was an oh, extraordinary look, amount. It's, uh, eight or nine. Eight or nine wasn't yeah, it? something ridiculous. So they'll be back, though. Don't worry about that. It's a shame they missed out this year. Bob Oatley, uh, the founder of Wild Oats, of course, uh, passed away uh, early or just after the, the race uh, last year. So um, shame they couldn't get it done for him. But uh, a great result for Anthony Bell and Perpetual Loyal. This is what he had to say post-race. So many people uh, believed in it uh, that wanted us to keep going. So, um, yeah, we came back and had another shot at it and uh, it paid off. Can you see this record ever being broken? It's it's pretty quick, isn't it? I actually can't see it being broken. The conditions have played into a, an expert crew with a fantastically uh, performing boat. 
It's going to be very, very hard, and I think a very long time before this one gets cracked. It was amazing, Cam, to, to break the record like Smash they did. The they did. They absolutely did, and uh, it worked out well for me because uh, they came in very early hours in the morning, had all day to write my news story for that night. I hate it when they come in at uh, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. makes it very tough. I under a bit of pressure. <laughs> a lot of pressure with that. But, so that was good. That worked out well for me. Uh, let's talk about uh, the Hobart Hurricanes. Um, we'll talk in depth about the problems that Cricket Tasmania have uh, in a couple of segments' time, but uh, very underwhelming performance from the Hurricanes this summer, wasn't it? Yeah, the disappointing, weren't they? And uh, maybe the the latter position probably flattered them. They had that amazing win where they were chasing something extraordinary Renegades, yeah. against the Renegades. Benny McDermott was outstanding in that game. One of the better 2020 knocks you'll ever see. But yep. look, uh, for whatever reason, it didn't work out well for them. They, particularly in the power plays, Brent, we just weren't strong enough. Uh, considered too many runs with the ball. Mm. Um, Sangakara didn't work out So that was probably dis- disappointing Tate as well um, I must admit I'm a bit surprised With some of the players That are still contracted For, for next year um, And we're hearing There won't be huge changes To the list That was uh, I think what Andrew Dyke said um, Around the end of the uh, the tournament the So it'll be interesting is, to see there uh, The big names aren't contracted Your Baileys Your Paynes These type of guys But your sort of lower Melbourne end players Melbourne stars are, are into Bailey I'm told Are they? Yes uh, I've so heard that hope, too. Yeah. yeah. So that's He's tough. been there before, though, hasn't he? And mm. came back, so it'll be interesting to see. But I think George's partner's from over there, so maybe they want to... Shining lights from the Hurricanes, do you think? Darcy Short. Um, Darcy Short. Probably got to do good. some work against the spinners, Brent, at the start of the... Yep. Uh, the innings, but uh, certainly when he's uh, coming up against medium pace and pace bowling and, and uh, in a couple of the early games, he was terrific. Unfortunately, Damien Wright couldn't hang on to his job after the uh, only the three wins for the summer. Ricky Ponting has been uh, down here. I caught up with him, Cam. Uh, he's helping the Hurricanes with their new coach. This is what he had to say about the Hurricanes season and the hunt for a new coach. It's disappointing for him, I guess. Uh, I guess things haven't gone to plan for the last couple of years for the Hurricanes. Um, obviously, hence his departure, but... Yeah, sort of a tough one, isn't it? He's up in Queensland with the Shield team at the moment, and I know how passionate he is, he is about the Hurricanes and, and whatever else. So, yeah, feel sorry for him, yeah. What sort of coach do we need here, do you think? Uh, that's a good question. What sort of coach do we need? Um, oh, look, I think the, first and foremost, you need someone that understands the game really well. Um, hopefully someone that's been involved in the game in a, in a reasonably short um, period of time as well. Jason Gillespie's already ruled himself out. Cam Brad Hodge says he's interested. Um, how oh, do you look, think he'd go? It's all over. Brent Michael Devenuto will get that gig. Yeah, locked nah, in. I'm not sure to be honest, it makes but sense. I would have thought he'd be makes a, a lot of sense. Terrific acquisition for mm. the franchise. Um, over with Surrey. He's um, over. Yeah, so I, that, I don't yeah. think his commitments would allow him to coach the, the Tasmanian Tigers, for instance. But he's probably got a window in that mm. period where the English summer is uh, is closed down and they're Definitely. not playing. So I would have thought he'd be an outstanding candidate. He's been. Uh, done a huge apprenticeship in terms of uh, with the Australian cricket and now county side. So, look, he'd be the front runner, I would have thought. Definitely, it would make a lot of sense. What under the Canes women too? They made the semi-finals for the second straight year, Cam. So they've done well. What under Heather Knight and Julia Price uh, on that achievement? That David was Drew as well. He's David just Drew, coach over yeah, there. Uh, absolutely. Um, a League bid hasn't really gone too far. Since we last, no, it's died down a little bit. Brent. It has the, the stadium. That? The stadium sort of came out, and that's going to. They'd like it to be on the lower side of the domain um, on some Hobart City Council land. I'm expecting that will be announced officially in the next week or two. It's sort of been delayed a little bit while it goes through some council tick-offs and things like that. But um, Robert Beltecki, one of the men behind the bid, came to town over the break, and here's some thoughts that he had. We're ready. We're we're ready to. 
um, formally lodge our bid. We're ready to um, put forward our case in terms of meeting all the criteria and we're just continuing to, continuing to work towards that. I've got to know the state very well and people who don't spend time in Tasmania underestimate us and I think, I think people do that at their peril. And we'll get to the NRL match a little later, but you can just see the appetites there for, for top-level sport after seeing how many people turned out to North Hobart Oval yesterday. And that would be a great ground too for A-League. Don't worry about that. But they'd like to have a rectangular stadium. And it'd be hard for the for the FFA to knock us back. We've got the money. We've got a, a brand-new stadium. You can't really reject us. No, no. Mike Fitzpatrick rejected us in oh, another sport, though, goodness Brent. Me. But I digress a little bit there. Goodness me. Don't get me started on that. <laughs> mm. Are we sad to see him go, Cam? Um, no, not really, I no. don't think. Hasn't done much for us, has no, he? That's not for sure. For the government gave him a good whack, too. Maybe for the code in, in some things he's yeah. presided over. No, definitely. Uh, Hobart Cup uh, was good, and uh, an underdog got up in this race. Count Da Vinci wins Big Duke up for second, Gladstone third. So Count Da Vinci, all the talk was with Big Duke uh, pre-race. Darren Weir, of course, uh, trains that horse, and uh, he's got some unbelievable success at the Hobart Cup, Darren Weir. But uh, Count Da Vinci, which is trained by Scotty Brunton, so back-to-back Hobart Cup wins for the Bruntons down there at Seven Mile Beach was great, Cam and they go to the Lonnie Cup now and hopefully they get the $100,000 bonus like they did last year with Up Cups. Be nice, a great initiative there. I've uh, got a question in question with that notice for you about the Hobart Cup okay. a little bit later on. Right. And we shouldn't uh, go without mentioning Settler Stone, a part owned by uh, Stables. Peter Stables. Yes, yes. So, uh, they've got to run in the Cup. And it's yes. going to be better it's in a the bit of a Lon- shortener in the market in the Lonnie Cup too, Brent. Has it? Come yes. In, okay. It's come in a bit. First time it's going to have the blinkers on. So that's... Uh, Stables you're not, you're yeah, not okay. tied up with Settler no, Stone. No, 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 no. I've got the inside mail. I don't worry about that. Uh, just quickly, did you see much of the Nitro Athletics? No. You know, I, d- I read more about it than I saw. Yep. But uh, it was very innovative. It was. And uh, I think well-received. We thought that Sebastian Coe came out yep. to, to have a look at it from uh, the International Athletics Association. I think I've got the right acronym there, Brent, but um, he's very high up, Sebastian Coe. Lord this, Sebastian Coe, isn't he? I think so, yeah. So, uh, look, different events and, um, you know, we saw the Javelin where you got extra points if you, for accuracy yep. and things like that and um, team relays and all sorts of things. But, look, it's, uh, it's the way sport's going now, isn't it? It is. People you know. want that quick fix... Um, different product, so we're all doing it. Definitely. What have you got here? Is this better by the Screaming Jets? It doesn't take you long, does it? You're back. You're in good form. It's good choice, Brent. Well, I, I do like to pick out the uh, the best available music that we have here at Seven HL FM in the library, and uh, we are back for our first show of 2017 here on the Waterboys. It's 19 minutes past eight as we speak. Runners are running across the Tasman Bridge Camp for Run the Bridge, a wonderful event here in Hobart. And up next, we catch up with the race director, Richard Welsh, who uh, is one of the more excitable men in Hobart. He's uh, a loose man, Richard Welsh. He joins us after this here on 7HL Femmes Waterboys. Good morning. As we go to where the Tasman Bridge is full of runners for Run the Bridge, which continues to dominate the sporting scene here in Hobart. And joining us on the line now is a very busy man this morning, the race director, Richard Welsh. Welcome back to the Waterboys, Welshie, and bring us up to date with the results. You know, you just missed it, mate. We had four <laughs> records all over the place. We had a participation record, hundreds more than we've ever had before, and the elite athletes have just finished, and you wouldn't believe the sprint finish we had between the dual Olympian Dave McNeil. Can you believe this, Breno? With a kilometre to go, the lead women in the Battle of the Sexes, our Ethiopian in fight, Magda Haji, 
She had a 200-meter lead on Dave McNeil with a kilometer to go. Wow. Do you reckon he'd catch up? 200 metres with a K to go. And he's caught in the last 50 metres. The crowd lost them to wow. him. And it was just incredible. It was the greatest finish. It was title last year. I'm just shattered that you weren't here last week. Because <laughs> it would have been one of those. I was there when that happened moment. All right. Calm down for a second. And uh, so just give us the one, two, and three in the men's and women's so we will cross it. Yeah, so, okay. The men, it was Dave McNeil. You told me to be excited. You wanted wanted upbeat. I'm I'm just following your instructions. So, Dave McNeil first, the dual Olympian. Second, the youngster, Jack Rayner. He uh, was just third in the World Cross Country Trial. You'll see a lot more of him. He's a young guy. And then third in the men's was Collis Birmingham, the world-class athlete. He's the second fastest Australian ever at the distance. Then there was an international flavour in the women's field. First was the Ethiopian Magda Haran Haji in a course record as well. The second was Usain Bolt's teammate Camille Buscombe from the Nitro Athletics last week. The last race was with Usain Bolt, and now she's come down here, come second in the Hobart Run the Bridge. And third place was the Tasmanian Olympian from Rio. She was 18th in the Olympic marathon last year. She won the Cabriart Marathon last month. Millie Clark third in the B&E Hobart Run the Bridge. Well, she the, the race just seems to be going from strength to strength. We know that it's uh, already the richest 10K event in Australia, but a record uh, number of attendees, over 3,000 tackling the race. Yeah, that's right. Last year we had 3,106. We already had a little bit more than that, around 3,250 at the start of the day. Some late entries coming in. It's going to be really close to see um, which is the biggest fun run in the state at the moment. We, uh, we've got a very healthy, friendly rivalry with the City to Casino. They had 3,283 last year. Obviously, their event's in, in May. So I think we're going to be neck and neck, which is really great. It doesn't really matter which one's bigger. It's just um, it's great to see so many Tasmanians out running and walking. And, well, she has the race directly. You've got some big ambitions, I read today, in the uh, in the Mercury for uh, future years in this race and, in particular, getting international recognition from the IAAF for the uh, the race. What would that mean? Yeah, I'd love to read that article. I left home too early and the paper hadn't been delivered yet, so uh, <laughs> I wouldn't mind having a read of that and see what I said yesterday. But uh, no, happy to reiterate that. So um, We've got plenty of Tasmanian and national uh, coverage and exposure at the moment. The next step for us is to go global. We're already the biggest 10K road race in Australia. So in order to do that, we've got an assessor here from the IWS today to tell us what we need to do to do that. And um, in terms of the internationals and the elite aspect, we're already there. We've done everything that we need to do to tick the box to get um, an IWF bronze label. What we need to do is now have uh, drug testing and um, a couple more course measures to come in and, and just give the final seal approval on the course. So um, that's our intention. We've got 12 months to do that. I'll get a report from the IWF after uh, today's race and they'll tell us if there's anything else. But uh, I think that's the obvious next step, and that'd be just massive. We'll get so much kudos. We'll get articles written about us on online running blogs around the world and the IWF calendar. So um, that's the goal, guys. Exciting times, onwards and upwards for the Run the Bridge Run. Yeah, you've been right across it this morning for us, Walshie, and uh, all the very best for the rest of the morning down there. And uh, thanks very much for joining us on the Water Boys. Good on you. We should do a live broadcast next year and we can watch Breno finish. Oh, look, I'd be still running, I reckon, until about midday. So uh, we'd have to be off air at 10, so it wouldn't work out very well, will she? <laughs> oh, mate, you can walk, well, you're walking as well. There's, oh, of course, yeah. the men's 5K. Well, if anyone out there, the 5 kilometres is about to start, morning, you bait. 
primary school. So uh, try not to run over the runners and walkers as they're coming across the bridge and into town. Absolutely. Relshi, thanks very much for your time. Richard Welsh joining us from Run the Bridge. So uh, a fantastic event, Cam, as we said. And if you can get that tick off from the IAAF, that will be absolutely outstanding. Now, we are in our first show of 2017, and we've got some new segments this year. And this one we're going to debut next week. Here's a little sting for it. This is the Water Boys on 7HOFM. 100% Hobart. Know something we don't know? Give us the goss. Now, Cam, this is where we want you or you or me or anyone to give us something that we don't already know. So it's called Give Us the Goss. So if you've got something we want to hear from you, you can email us, brent.costello at 7hlfm.com.au. So B-R-E-N-T dot C-O-S-T-E-L-L-O-E. Don't forget the E on Costello, Cam, or it won't come through. Brent.costello at 7hlfm.com.au. Or you can give us a call right now. And we'll take your call now, 62161017. Give us the goss. You can set the sporting agenda out there. Is that what you're saying, Brett? You can't. That's exactly right. So, for example, in the paper, I've ripped this straight out of the paper, Cam, but mm. this is the stuff we want before it hits the papers. The MCG to host the NBA. That would be extraordinary. But we want that early. We want to know about it when it's in the paper. We want it on the show. So, 62161017, if you've got some goss for us. As I said, we'll debut it next week. But if you want to get in early, give us a call now, 62161017, or Brent. Dot Costello, C O S T E L L O E at 7HOFM.com. They are ready to get to a break on the other side of it. What are we doing, Cam? Let's look at the run sheet. Uh, Cricket Tasmania been the headlines all week. We'll go right across that next here on the Water Boys on 7HOFM. We've got a call on 621017. 7HOFM, who are we talking to? Uh, Brad. Brad, what goss have you got for us? Uh, I was just wondering if you boys knew that there was an Australian title in Tasmania in a week. Australian title, what's it for, Brad? Speedway. Speedway title. Australian title, Okay, This is what we want. This is the goss we want that we don't know about. Tell well, we us, don't know about that, Brad, so tell us all about tell it. Tell us, Brad. Uh, well, there's the Australian wingless division, um, which is a wingless sprint car. Um, their national titles being held at Carrick uh, Friday and Saturday um, with 46 entries, 20 of them from the mainland, um, $26,000 purse. It's pretty huge. Sounds awesome. Well, mate, this is the stuff we want. So if you've got the goss like Brad does, give us a call, 62161017. Thanks for your call, Brad. Appreciate that. So give us the goss. Returns next week. If you've got anything, you can email me, brent.costello at 7hofm.com.au, and we'll get to that next week, Cam. Looking forward to it. Also looking forward to talking to you about this, Cam, the game of cricket. Been an unbelievable week for Cricket Tasmania, Cam. They've had to part ways with one of their favourite sons in Dan Marsh, who's been with the organisation for 20-plus years as a, uh, a player, a captain and a coach. Uh, what did you make of the story when it came out? Look, I, I probably wasn't uh, surprised. I thought it might have been difficult for, ho- for him to hold his job long-term. Maybe the timing and the way it was handled is interesting because there's been a bit of commentary about, uh, I might ask you that question shortly but Brent, but he was reappointed 12 months ago, wasn't he? And um, and then the results weren't terrific but we were led to believe he was the man to, to take a, a younger Tasmanian squad um, the next generation through to some hopefully dizzy heights but it hasn't certainly worked out in the first 6 or 7 games for the Shield team this year and ultimately you live and die by your results Dan Marsh unfortunately can't get out there and take wickets and and That's make right. runs. That's a disappointing thing for him. 
Um, but, yeah, interesting, isn't it, these people that make these decisions 12 months ago and then backtrack on that. Well, you mentioned that, and that was the first question that I asked Andrew Gagan, the chairman of Cricket Tasmania, at the press conference during the week. Do you have egg on your face? Uh, he replied, no. Um, and here's some of the... <laughs> he, he, have a listen to some of the grabs. You, you hear the voice of Andrew Gagan, the chairman of Cricket Tasmania, followed by Andrew Dykes, the cricket general manager. Dan has been an icon for Tasmanian cricket. He's been here for in excess of 20 years. He's a proud man. He was in the role as head coach, and to have something taken away from him that he enjoys doing, um, naturally he's disappointed. It's never pleasant when this sort of action has to be taken and uh, it makes me sad. We didn't think the team was improving uh, to the extent that we thought it might. Um, it was difficult to see where it was going to improve. We could have uh, not renewed his contract. That would have been an option. Um, but at that stage, I think we would have been criticised more than renewing it. We've been in bigger strife than this before. I don't see this as strife. We've got two new coaches coming in. Two things I've taken out of that, Cam. The I first, see it as strife, bro. Oh, well, well, I don't know whether it's strife, but he almost said that proudly, didn't he? That mm. you know, we've well, this is no this you know we've been in worse places before. Well, you know, you've you've sacked two coaches in the space of a month. And your team's on the bottom of the Sheffield Chill later. How, how, how does it get much worse than that? No, I, I agree with you. Um, look, the last game didn't help against WA. And, well, and that the was batting, the story that think broke the camel's you know, back. Six yeah. for 90 in both innings there. Brent, did um, did we fail Dan Marsh in terms of putting a, a coaching hierarchy or structure behind him? Because he was appointed not long out of the game. Yep. I noticed uh, Brett Jeeves wrote, wrote, that. wrote yeah. something. And, um a pretty thought-provoking article, but it, in some ways you can draw some similarities perhaps with um, a Michael Voss when he was yep. first appointed, a James Hurd, although he did have uh, Bomber Thompson, even going back to Tim Watson. Mm. Um, because he was so fresh, did, did, did he need a senior assistant, as, as was uh, suggested? Potentially too, and following you know that, that golden era as well, the pressure was always going to be on. We were always going to dip. Lost we? all those players: Cosgrove, Cowan, Butterworth. Hilf we had Hilfenhouse for a while, but obviously not at the peak of his career. So Bailey's in and out of the team. Faulkner's in and out of the team. So I guess every state has those issues. But um, the thing I took out of that what Andrew Gagan said uh, there as well, Cam. Um, when as far as reappointing him goes, only a year ago uh, in March last, less than a year ago. Um, you know, we would have got, got criticised if we didn't reappoint him. Well, is it about making the right decision or is it about the board being criticised? Yeah, well, that's right. And would they have been criticised if he didn't renew his contract last year? I I'm not sure so. they would have. No. Um, so that's interesting. Yeah, so plenty plenty to play out here. Uh, obviously, an internal review, or sorry, an independent review will uh, will take place now. Um, well, there's a couple of reviews going on. Yes, you're right. And there's also a review about how the story was... Leaked yeah. because let's be honest, you knew about it, um, did you not? Before we, it was we, actually... we, uh, a lot of us knew about it, but we couldn't confirm it because right. no one at Cricket Tasmania would return our call. So an unconfirmed reports. I know uh, Brett Stubbs wrote an article today in the Mercury that Dan um, was uh, uh, picked up his children so that he could um, and that's obviously enough. tell them yeah. and the sensitivities around that. So from a from an emotional intelligence point of view, the way it was handled for Dan Marsh uh, seems like it could have been done. Could have been done better. Would that be a fair comment? I think Brent? so. And I don't think the the media release that came out really was uh, it was very cold. I thought for a champion, past champion of the game, a former captain. But 
Anyway, uh, the decision's been made. We wish, wish Dan all the best for the future. He's been uh, always available for us here on the water, boys. A, a wonderful guy. So, Dan, if you're listening, which you probably he won't are. He be lost to cricket. <laughs> Uh, no, no. Hopefully, well, that's that's the other. Hopefully, he gets a uh, another gig with cricket Tasmania somewhere because it'd be it'd be terrible if he was lost to the game here. That's for sure. Uh, that is our cricket wrap for this week. Our brand new segment, "Give Us the Goss," continues to grow legs. We've got uh, something in on Twitter from a person that would like to remain anonymous. Does cricket Tasmania whistleblower Brett Jeeves now widely considered on the money in his reports deserve an apology from cricket Tasmania for sanctions against him and his club? So that's not really a question to you. That's just a statement. So uh, if you want to give us the goss, 6216 We need a stinger for it too. We, we've got the stinger. Oh, we played it earlier. You obviously weren't paying attention. That's all right. Okay. That I thought maybe ripper. I heard a rumour by Banana Arm. <laughs> <laughs> we won't work on that. We'll speak to the station during the week. But now it's time for another new segment on the show. 101.7 7HOFM. Time to take a trip down memory lane with the Waterboys. Blast from the past. Now, Cam, we know you spent the dummy last year when you had to try and guess who was on the phone while the person was on the phone, so we won't bring our guest in just yet, but uh, I'll give you some clues and see if you can guess who it is, all right? So he originally played for Longford in AFL, in football. Sorry, okay, Aussie well, Rules. Well, Michael Roach played at Longford. He's the first name that comes and to mind. And the great Michael Roach joins us on the line straight away. Well, okay, really? You're too good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Michael well, Roach, remember. welcome to the Michael Roach's footy card. And, um, Thank you very much. And, and, and the, but this was before he was a full forward. I still got his card because it was utility. I might ask him about that. We well, can ask yeah, him now. He's on the case. line. Ask him. He's here. <laughs> G'day, Michael. Thanks for joining us on the Water Boys. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thanks for having us on. You probably don't remember that footy card, but I remember when you first went across. Um, it had utility, and then you made your way, uh, obviously, to, to full forward. And what an out, uh, outstanding career you had, mate, uh, kicking over 100 goals from memory. Was that in the Premiership year, or have I got that wrong? It was. Yeah, 1980 was a uh, premiership year. I was lucky enough to kick 100, 100 that year. And, uh, yeah, it was a terrific, terrific year for, for myself and the Tigers. Well, Michael, we do appreciate you joining us, mate. Thank you very much. Uh, we got you on to sort of look back at your career, I suppose. What what are your early memories of playing footy here in Tasmania? Uh, look, great memories. Uh, I I played, I lived in uh, in Westbury, so that was my, my hometown. So, uh for, for me, I played my junior footy basically with Westbury um, and then had to get, I suppose, uh, better competition. I, I went to Longford and Longford was the team I followed. I I loved uh, the, the Tigers. I remember going to watch them with Dad and uh, my brothers um, when Paul Viner and Barry Lawrence were, uh, were, were part of the Longford footy side and uh, I was lucky enough to uh, have a cousin that played there, a fellow by the name of Jeff Gibson, which is uh, Adam Gibson's father, who was my first cousin, um, and uh, he used to pick me up in his ute, and we'd go down to training, and and I played at Longford for um, for two years before I went to to Richmond. So, Michael, tell us about the approach from Richmond. How did all that take about? Because you would have just you would have been a teenager when you would have gone across. <laughs> yeah. I would have thought. Yeah, look, I, uh, Richmond um, watched uh, Northern Tasmania play North West Tasmania in the schoolboys competition to try and uh, get in the Tasmanian schoolboy side and uh, mum was sitting in the grandstand and uh, a fellow by the name of Harry Jenkins who recruited, was Royce Hart was probably the uh, the big recruit that uh, he, he recruited he found uh, mum and said look we're interested in your boy coming across to Melbourne to play footy at Richmond um, and I was only 15 but uh, I ended up um, going across for a month 
to Richmond. Um, but in those days, you could only sign up two interstate players a year on a thing called a Form 4, and Richmond didn't want to use a Form 4 on a 15-year-old kid. So um, I came back home to to um, Westbury and played my, my, my senior footy with Longford, and lucky enough in my first game, I had a, a good game, and um, the Examiner newspapers started to write about this, this kid that, you know, had a reasonable game, and, and next thing you know, there's a few docks at the door. I, I think um, I was lucky enough to have about, or not lucky enough, it was about nine to ten clubs that banged on our door trying to um, to get me to sign, and they were offering a Form 4, so then Richmond had to put up their Form 4, I would have gone to another club, so... Fascinating uh, insight there, Michael. Uh, now, I'll just read out some of your stats because Cam jumped in so early at the top there, I didn't get to read them out. <laughs> it was you straight away. So 200 games with Richmond between 1977 and 1989, 607 goals, a premiership player in 1980, of course, a Coleman medalist in 1980 and 81, an All-Australian in 1979. My question to you, how, do you, how are you a Coleman medalist in 80 and 81 and not make the uh, All-Australian team? Um, look, it's a bit hard because they didn't have the All-Australian team. You had to go and play in a carnival. And uh, uh, look, to get... Well, I think it's a, a real uh, honour to be named All-Australian while you're, you know, you're playing full forward for, for Tasmania against Western Australia, Victoria, um, South Australia and all those. You only had... I think you had about four or five games uh, where you... If you played well enough, um, you got named in the All-Australian side. So it wasn't like they do now where they pick it just from the AFL. You had to play in, in a carnival. And it was myself, a fellow by the name uh, of Desi James, who uh, um, is Glenn James' brother, played in the back pocket for Tasmania, and Daryl Sutton, um, who unfortunately just passed away, made the All-Australian side playing for Tasmania um, in, a um, in a carnival in Perth. So... It was a real, uh, a real honour to be named All Australian, and that's why you see, say, the great fellows like Royce Hart and Daryl Baldock and those people, you know, um, who were brilliant players, um, only made one All Australian side because he only had, only got picked once every four years, I think it was. So, um, yeah, it was a real honour to be be named All Australian in, in 1979. So. And Michael, you were coming through just as I was a young kid, really starting to follow footy. I remember you used to dine out on Footscray, um, particularly early on in your career, and um, I think a couple of big bags against him. But uh, tell us about that premiership year, because that was amazing, as we mentioned in the uh, the outset there. You, you kicked your 100th uh, goal during that season, and that was probably all before you would have played 50 games almost. Yeah, look, um, I played um, the first couple of years, I played on the wing, as you said, that utility was... Uh, Basically, I was too skinny and, 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 and not strong enough to be a key position player, even though I probably was going to be. Um, so I, I had, uh, under my coach, uh, Barry Richardson, who was coaching us then, said, look, uh, you know, have a run around on the wing. So I played about eight or nine games my first year and then only played three in my second year. But all that time, um, I was working hard on the weights and trying to get myself stronger and, and so that was up to 12 games and then in 1979 um, I was moved to full forward and had a, um, a really good year at full forward and missed the goal kicking by one I think um, Kelvin Templeton beat me and then in 1980 and 81 um, 
you know, we're a pretty strong side and, uh, you know, I was only fairly young, but, but in the premiership year, I was uh, just turned 21, I think I was, so, um, yeah, I was very lucky to have a lot of good players around me and, um, you know, to, uh, to win a premiership in only my third year, really. We could talk to you all day, Michael, but before we let you go, the nickname Disco, can you bring us up to speed on how that uh, got attached to you? No, oh, look, John Travolta had nothing on me. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty self-explanatory no, then. Uh, I cannot even clap uh, with any rhythm, so uh, <laughs> I am the most useless dancer, and I think I probably got it because I couldn't dance. No, there is a story, but I won't go into it today. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, um, yeah I, I'm a very ordinary uh, singer, dancer, and uh, no rhythm at all. So um, I think disco is uh, probably... They, you know, you go to a nightclub or something, and they they say, "Oh, God, that's that uh, disco roach," and you know they'd wait for them to get up on the dance floor, and I'd, I'd never ever get up on the dance floor because <laughs> I just couldn't dance. So. <laughs> oh, brilliant, Michael! Thanks very much for joining us this morning on the Water Boys. Uh, great to have you as our inaugural guest of uh, Blast from the Past, a terrific and passionate Tasmanian with a, a wonderful career with the Tigers. Thanks very much for joining oh, us. Thank you very much, and say good day to everybody in Tassie. Enormous first hour of our first show of 2017 here on the Water Boys, but plenty more still to come in extra time after 9 o'clock, Ken. NRL review. Brent, you were at the game at North Hobart Oval yesterday. You caught up with Cooper Cronk and the Melbourne Storm coach, Craig Bellamy. Healthy crowd of 6,000 people there at North Hobart Oval. We're going to be talking about that. The JLT Community Challenge, which is the AFL pre-season competition. The reigning premiers were in action yesterday, Brent. First time I've been able to say that. <laughs> and uh, They lost, though, Ken. Team. They, got they lost, but they were gallant. They had a lot of players out, Brent. So did Melbourne, but uh, AFL theme two, AFLW, that competition's in its third round. We're going to be talking about that question without notice. Big one for you, Brent. I've sort of reversed it on myself. I won't divulge too much. Okay. But, um, reverse thought, yes, question without notice. Yes. Oh, I, right. I thought you, yes, I thought you <laughs> oh. might have uh, had a crack at me by now about an infamous statement, but you still haven't <laughs> that I made many years ago. So question without notice is coming up. And then we also look at it, uh, episode number. 253 of the Waterboys, what that means in the world of sport. This day in sport, birthdays on this particular day, that being February 19th of February. And we take a trip down memory lane. We've been doing this for about 18 months now, Brent, and that's where we look at our favourite song from a particular year. It's a difficult one, 1987. Impossible almost. With Brent Costello and Cam Brown. You're listening to The Water Boys. We are indeed, and that was a monster first hour to kick us off for 2017, Cam, but plenty more coming up on the broadcast this morning. Great to be back, Brennan. Uh, really enjoyed the first hour, but it's going to be uh, rugby after the break. Brent, you were there at North Hobart Oval yesterday. You caught up with some big names too, Cooper Cronk and Craig Bellamy. So all the reactions from the big pre-season match yesterday between the Storm and the Bulldogs. The JLT Community Challenge. It's a bit of a mouthful. It is, isn't it? But, uh, yeah, JLT, what they actually do. I Brent, think they're Brent. a sports insurance company That's or something what I thought. Like yeah. My son asked me that yesterday. But yeah. anyway, we'll get across the games uh, that have been played over the last few days. AFLW, isn't that uh, taking the uh, pretty well by storm, Brent? You enjoying it? I am enjoying it, yes. Uh, I watched a lot of it uh, the first couple of weeks. I haven't seen Tasty much of it this week. prominent as well, which, yes. is, which is good. Yep. Question without notice. So that's where we throw each other a question. We've had a bit of a hiatus over the last, uh, what, 
six or seven weeks, Brent. We so we'll load it up with yes. plenty of questions. <laughs> and in episode number, so we look what that means. It's episode 253 for the Water Boys. Uh, we look at this day in sport, birthdays, all uh, things related to the particular day, that being February the 19th. And also, we take a trip down memory lane, as we've done for... Oh, probably over 15 months now, Brent, haven't we? And we, we've gone back to 1987. Oh. And we've had to come up with our favourite song. I'll tell was, you what, what. A whopping 29 years ago. It is one of the more extraordinary years for music, Cam, and I've, I've actually got two here ready to play. I still haven't sighted. I can't pick it. So that's our tough Dave Dobbin in there somewhere or not? He may no. be. He may be. So you might want to steer clear of that one when you pick yours. Uh, that's all coming up in a huge second hour of the Water Boys here on 101.7. 7 HLFM, good morning. Enormous day at North Hobart Oval yesterday, Cam. The National Rugby League, the NRL, came to town with the Melbourne Storm hosting the Canterbury Bulldogs in a trial match. It was a fantastic atmosphere, 6,823 through the gates. It looked a whole lot more to me, though. I'm not sure. Are you there? In the no, end I wasn't. I was watching the Bulldogs, Jake. JTL? JT, JLT, JLT, whatever it is, game. yes. <laughs> the pre-season so I had a clash, clash there, Brent, yeah, but did. I could see, uh, see the crowd, obviously, from my house and uh, kept in touch with the score. It was a pretty competitive game it yesterday. Was. It was uh, all the Bulldogs in the first half and then a, a massive comeback by the Storm in the in the second stage of the second half. So uh, the final score, well, actually, the score at one stage was 28-8 to eight, and the Storm clawed their way back to only lose by four points, 28-24. to 24. Post-game, I caught up with the coach, Craig Bell, me, and this is what he had to say. Craig Bellamy, did you get what you wanted out of the game today? Uh, we've liked, um, yeah, we, well, we did. You know, we obviously got another game full under our belt, so you know that was important. Give some uh, some players some valuable time, especially our more experienced players that hadn't played the game yet this year. So uh, we got a little bit of time into them, and um, yeah, uh, you know, like you know, we'll be disappointed with our first half. Obviously, um, couldn't hang onto the ball, so that's an area that we'll need to fix up before uh, the comp starts. But um, yeah, it was, it was a good trial down here. Um, you know, we've been in here a couple of times, you know, in the last, you know, five years and, you know, um, the people have been really good, you know, the uh, the ground's been really good, you know, the surface is great, so, uh, yeah, we can't complain about that. It's, um, you know, it's, uh, you know, the Hobart people have been very welcoming, so it's been it's been really good. Um, but so, yeah, we got through with no, without any injuries, so, um, yeah, so we got a fair bit out, but there's some... Things we'll need to improve uh, you know, before we start the comp. Cronk and Smith didn't play a huge amount of minutes today. I guess was that always the plan for them? Yeah, I just, you know um, Cameron didn't really think he, he needed too much time, to, you know, for his match fitness. So we ain't played in 20 minutes. I think a little bit over 22 minutes. So that was always the plan with him. And um, you know, Cooper had a bit of time with Munster that first half hour, and then we give him a little bit of time with uh, Brady Croft. Um, the end of the first half, and our plan was always to take him off at halftime, which we did. And um, I thought, you know, Croft and um, and Rolly Jacks did a pretty good job in the second half, and, and Munster as well. So, uh, yeah, like I say, we um, it, it was it was good, good for those guys just to blow a few cobwebs out. You know, Jess Bromwich as well. He, had, he hadn't played. Um, Will Chambers and, and Torrio Harris. So they all got some valuable time today, and um, you know, we can get a, a good week of training to them uh, next week, and then. Um, Hopefully, uh, yeah, we'll be uh, cherry ripe by uh, round one. How excited are you for round one, given the enormous slog of a pre-season every year, I suppose? Yeah, I don't... Um, yeah, I'm a bit conservative. I don't get too excited about round one. Or, you know, I know it's, there's a long haul ahead, you know, so um, we've got to make sure uh, we, we don't get too excited about things and just make sure we're, we're working on the things we need to work on and, um, you know, put our system and our processes in place and, and get them right. That, that's... 
you know, don't want to get too excited and, and missing a few things. So, um, but I think everyone's looking forward to the season without doubt. You know, I don't think there's a footballer on, you know, on the earth that uh, loves pre-season or likes pre-season. They all look forward to the end of pre-season. So, end of pre-season, you know, the game starts. So, uh, I'm sure that they're looking forward to that. Um, you know, they'll be looking forward to a, a, a weekend uh, off this weekend. You know, we've uh, we've been pretty busy actually. We uh, we had a camp down Geelong and then we. We travelled to Auckland for the Nines and Sunshine Coast last week and down there, but you know this week, so it's they've been away from home a little bit. So uh, next week, I'm going to give them a chance to uh, freshen up a little bit and spend a bit of time with their families. Blake Bellamy there on the Water Boys. He's been there a long time at the Storm. Um, presided over the squad since 2003. Brent, some tumultuous times as well. Yep. During that period, but he's been uh, a very resilient, stalwart character at that club. Have they ever had a down year? I cannot remember them finishing outside the top eight. Obviously, that year where they couldn't get any points. But uh, apart from that... Well, I think I read somewhere where his winning percentage is 67%. So oh. if you looked at that in AFL terms, and we, we think of something around 60% as some of the elite coaches. Yeah. So uh, always very competitive. Coached New South Wales State of Origin for a few years as yeah. well. Yep, he did. Uh, we caught up with Cooper Cronk post-match as well, who, of course, Cam is part of the uh, the big three there, if you like, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, Cam Smith... Billy Slater, Billy Slater. Who, who hopefully will be back in the early part of the season. And Cooper Cronk is part of that big three. Caught up with him post-game. This is what he had to say. Cooper Cronk, four-point loss today. What do you take out of the match? Oh, look, I think it was um, yeah, it was a tough game. We, we started OK, had some opportunities, but then our defence let us down a few turnovers. I think um, yeah, the scoreline sort of helped us more than our actual performance. Uh, but the f- funny thing is, we play the Bulldogs in round one in two weeks' time, so it's, it's hard. You want to do the things you practice, but you don't want to give away too many secrets. We didn't see you out there for the whole game. Did you get what you needed out of it? Yeah, look, it's it's delicate. You know, Obviously, you want to work on the combinations you work through, but you also want to be primed for round one. So uh, it's been a long time since my debut, so you don't need to have all the match practice. So half a game was enough to sort of get the contact, get the feel, get the speed, but... Um, you know, in, uh, in, in position enough to play our best football in round one. Obviously, you get him again in a couple of weeks. Did you learn much about him today that you can take into that match? Yeah, I think both teams held a little bit back. But, you know, the main thing when you want to have a hit out in the competition, uh, in pre-season setting up for the competition, you want to see effort. You want to see that desire, that work, that fitness that you've done for you know, three months leading into it. Um, it wasn't our greatest performance. There's no doubt that Craig will have some stern words for us once we all get back in the sheds. But at the end of the day, if it sets us up playing our best football in round one, Tom will tell if it was a good outing. There's another 10 minutes on the clock. Would you mind have won, do you think? Oh, look, I think it's flattering. Um, we obviously got in close proximity to them, but you know, considering that they were dominant for the majority of the game, uh, yeah, look, it would have been nice, but um, yeah, I think it was a little too late. As Cooper Cronk mentioned there, they've got the Bulldogs in two weeks' time, Brent. So that's a bit of a quirk, isn't it, to be playing it is. Uh, a team in your last pre-season match and then you'll be fronting up with them, uh, the, team that you'll be, the same team, in two weeks' time. So a little bit unique. Do you think the teams were holding back a little bit? There's a bit of ducks and drakes. You wouldn't oh, want to sure. play a complete hand. No, definitely not. And, uh, yeah, 100%. They, they would not have shown all their cards yesterday, that's for sure. Just repeating, the final score was 28-24, to a four-point win to Canterbury Bulldogs. We hope to see more NRL back here, Cam. It was a wonderful day yesterday, as we mentioned. Almost 7,000 through the gates, which was down on the last time they came here, which was about 12,000, but uh, still a very healthy crowd. And well done to uh, the Hobart City Demons for putting on the big show. It was fantastic to be there. And can you believe it, Cam, to start with? The footy is back. It's a, it must be a little bit earlier because it feels like it's too soon almost, doesn't it? Yeah, a week or two too early, perhaps, Brent. 
But it all kicked off on Thursday night, wasn't it? With uh, a come-from-behind win by the Pies against Essendon. They were the underdogs, Collingwood, in that match. A couple of uh, nine-pointers helped in the last quarter. But, uh, look, an interesting game of footy. It's, it's early. There's going to be mistakes made. Uh, what did you like out of that game, Brent? I love seeing the Essendon boys back, Cam, to be honest. It was great just to, even in, early, in those early minutes. Joe Watson got an early touch and Dyson Hebble got early touches. So I thought that was fantastic to see them back out. I think Essendon, I don't think they're going to make the eight this year, but, gee, they're going to cause some teams some headaches. They've got a, a wonderful list, some of those mature-type players like Watson and, and Hurley and Hooker and these sort of guys, and the young guys in McGrath and Parrish. I think they're going to be okay. Yeah, my concern with the Bombers is probably that middle-age bracket, 25 to yep. 28 and 29. But, uh, yeah, certainly some uh, promise there from the Bombers, and there'll be some uh, competition for spots. Uh, we'll touch on a couple of the Tasmanian players in this particular game. Josh Green, his first uh, game for his new club. Look lively, kicked a couple of goals, and um, with Fantasia and the like, those uh, sorts of small forwards, he, he could have a role to play this. And let's hope so, because at his best, he's a, a leading goal kicker, isn't he, at, at Brisbane? Definitely. So uh, a handy pickup. Um, also, uh, I really enjoyed the work of Zach Merritt. You know, he's one of my favourites for, for the Essendon Footy Club. So we'll see how they go. A surprise goal kicker was uh, McKernan in that match with three. Collingwood, uh, I'm a bit bullish about Collingwood, Brett. We're going to have, um, for the listeners out there, we're going to go through each team over the next few weeks and spend yep. uh, a segment on each of those. So don't miss that one. But yeah. I think Collingwood's midfield, if you look at the stats in particular of um, Pendlebury and Trelaw versus Dangerfield and Selwood, there's not a lot of difference, Brent. Okay. So uh, we'll talk a little bit more, more about that in a couple of weeks' time. But Phillips yeah. was a live wire with um, 24 touches for Collingwood. But from a Tasmanian perspective, uh, Jeremy Howe played uh, down back and looked pretty solid. Henry Shade, I'm yeah. told that he loves it at Collingwood. Okay. And he's uh, really refreshed. He's on the rookie list. Yep. But he's uh, impressing him down there, played as a as key defender. He's probably got to get a little bit more of the ball, back himself more with uh, some of those intercept marking and uh, that raking left foot kick. But uh, in the end, a good win to the Pies. Certainly, uh, Friday night, the game was here in Tasmania and uh, it was Hawthorne 98, Geelong 94. Hawthorne winning that one with a kick after the siren cam. Uh, what did you make of that one? Did you say much of it? I did uh, see... The first half, Brent, and then uh, I think the cricket was on, so I was sort of <laughs> switching channels. It's, it's hard when you've got to make those sort of decisions, mm, Brent. Yeah, picture but and picture look, cam, uh, that's what you know. Ah, yes. yes. It was a typical Hawthorne-Geelong game, wasn't it, though? The third quarter, Geelong came storming back after Hawthorne dominated the first half. Uh, Aaron Black, a shining light for Geelong coming across from North Melbourne. He has had a 30-goal season going back a few years ago for North Melbourne, so he might be a, a speculative pick that ends up going okay for them. They'd be very impressed with Zach Tui, the catch. Over 30 touches, so well done to him. Uh, Th- Jackson Thurlow, in his return, had close to 20 possessions, yep. and we thought young Gardner was going to play, but uh, left out of the squad in the end. What would you like from the Hawks' perspective, Brent? I actually didn't see the game, to be honest, Cam, so I, I can't actually tell you. I didn't see much of it all. I was, I was otherwise occupied, unfortunately, so you have to run us through that. Well, look, a couple of Tassie boys uh, performed uh, pretty solidly. Grant Birchall, as I've said a few <laughs> for a few years now, he's going to the most uh, going to be the... Uh, a very quiet, unassuming player that'll end up making 300 games of AFL footy on his year, I reckon. Yep. Just shows that no signs of slowing down. 18 touches. Kieran Lovell, let's hope, uh, had a bit of a taste of it last year with a handful of games and looked pretty solid in the midfield uh, with 17 touches. So well done. But it was all about the return of Jared Ruffhead too. And he's pivotal for Hawthorne. Mm. If they can hit, get him back in, uh, back in some pretty good form, um, they'll look pretty good. I'll tell you what, I didn't see the Hawthorne and Geelong game, but I did see the first half of the West Coast GWS game, and I'll tell you Awful what... Awful first quarter oh, from West Coast, Brent. Horrible. <laughs> they were horrible. They fought back in the uh, 
In the second, I think it was, what, 13 points at half time. That's where I saw it too. And I looked later on, it looked like West Coast added about three or four points to that score in the end. So uh, GWS, they are a very, very, very scary prospect. What caught your eye about GWS? Well, Taranto, Tim Taranto, that's his name. That's him, he yeah, was fantastic uh, in the first half that I saw. Um, Johnny Patton looks like he's just about to have the, the best year of his career if he can stay. Uh, injury free. Uh, he he looked very scary. Will Setterfield was also pretty. Uh, he was pretty prominent. Yeah, he also was. a top ten pick for uh, for West Coast. Uh, sorry for uh, GWS. I love uh, Harry Perriman. He's one of my favourite players in the draft. Mightn't play in round one, Brent, but gee, he's a terrific player with ball in hand. We'll hear a lot about him from West Coast perspective. It would have been nice to see Dom Sheed back running around. Yeah, didn't play a lot of footy last year. No, he didn't. Um, so it was good to see him out there. But, um, uh, yeah, I'd like to see a bit more out of him. Um, Mackenzie, big year coming up for him, isn't it? Uh, obviously missed that year a couple of years ago with the, the injury. Came back last year. Didn't quite uh, had the season he liked. Did, didn't quite fit into the new structure, no, though, was it? It was a no. new defensive um, mechanism that, and, uh, I guess, a situation that they set up West Coast with numbers behind the, bat, the, behind the ball. So, uh, look, he's a talented player, Mackenzie. He is. Yeah, he'll be back. Uh, and your boys uh, wound up the game, four games so far this round. Uh, they lost uh, first game since the uh, big dance last year, Cam. A six-point loss, one goal to Melbourne. Uh, what'd you make of that? Uh, Melbourne were the better team, I would have thought, for the majority of, of the game. Look, Hogan was probably the difference with four goals. I thought he played really well. Um... Lewis, in his first game for his club, had 28 yep. touches, I think. Vince was uh, was strong, so they'd be happy with that. Melbourne, they're tracking pretty well. It's, they haven't made the final since about 2006, is it? That's a long time. It is a long time. If you've been following things. Melbourne, say, since you're in prep, you're in grade, <laughs> what, nine or ten, you haven't seen them play finals. <laughs> That's, That's extraordinary. It is uh, Dow was terrific for the Western Bulldogs. They'd be very pleased with the return of Cramery. And also, Cloak looked lively. A number of contested possessions and kicked a couple of nice goals. But it is very early in the season, Brent. Uh, there's a couple of games today. Sydney will play North Melbourne at yep. Coffs Harbour. And uh, Gold Coast in Brisbane in the derby up there. Oh, it's not a derby, it's a Q clash, isn't it? Q clash, that's right. And then obviously the teams that haven't played this weekend get their chance next week. That is our JLT Community Series wrap here on The Water Boys. We are 100% Hobart. You're waking up with the 100% best sports show in Tasmania. The Water Boys, we're back for our seventh season here in 2017. Great to be back on the wireless. Uh, we're going to talk now about the success of AFLW. Women kicking balls. I like to see that. Women making a name for themselves in Aussie Rules football. We'll show you that. Unbelievable. Has been unbelievable, Cam. We saw that opening game between Carlton and Collingwood on the Friday night a couple of weeks ago. Absolute lockout at Icon Park. Are we surprised by that? Because I was. Oh, it was extraordinary. Obviously it was free to get in. That helped. Yeah. But look, it's been well patronised by the footy public. And the AFL have done a great job in the promotion of the of the new product. So, look, it's a big thrill, I would have thought, for the girls to be uh, representing their clubs, playing in front of big crowds. It's a more com- uh, competitive nature now for trying to get a game. They've got better working conditions. And I think the salaries and those sorts of things will get sorted out. Yeah. Um, what have you made of the standard? Standard's been good. I like, obviously, only 16 players on the ground compared to the usual 18 for men. So that... Uh, Freeze the game up a little bit, I guess. It's a bit more free-flowing. But um, the skills, I guess they'll, they'll come in time. Well, uh, they'll evolve, with, yeah. you know, particularly when they get into more of a full-time environment. I think you'd like to see the scoring uh, a bit higher, Brent. Yeah, I well, think in the first round yeah. that the losing team scored 11, 12, 12 and 10 yeah. from memory. But you've got to remember, too, it's only played for about an hour. 
So yep. you almost got to sort of double those scores in yeah, terms true. of matching it up with an AFL. And, and maybe uh, we'll look for the skills to be, you know, the girls to kick a bit longer. But the competitive nature of the game has, oh. has surprised me. The girls really yep. get in and have a crack, which is terrific. And we've got a lot of local Tasmanians running around, which is We terrific. do. We've got four girls, uh, two at the Brisbane Lions, who played yesterday for round three. And it was um, 27 points to 23. So, again, came a low-scoring game. But uh, Britt Gibson, former Bernie Dockers captain, uh, she's going beautifully and went really late in the draft. She might have even been close to the last pick. But speaking to Lee Elder from AFL Tasmania, uh, he reckons she's a chance of winning the uh, the competition's best and fairest medal. That's how no, well, no one knew about her. Well, and she uh, 13 touches, which is... Uh a high for Brisbane yesterday, kicked the goal, so she certainly did her job. And they've probably been a bit of a surprise back at Woodland, um, Brent, in terms of the Undefeated, ladder. three and none at the top of the table, which is fantastic. We saw the first draw of the competition yesterday, GWS and Fremantle, 43 points apiece. Uh, the Doggies, wasn't a great day for your dogs yesterday, Cam. They lost to Melbourne, 43 to 29. And then we've got the top of the table clash this afternoon, Adelaide and Carlton. Well, we've got second playing third, two undefeated teams going head-to-head, so that's going to be fantastic. So if you look at the ladder, Brisbane on top, undefeated, three and none. Adelaide and Carlton, two wins, no losses in second and third. Melbourne, after losing in the opening round, had two wins and one loss now. The Doggies, one win, two losses. And then uh, GWS Fremantle have uh, one draw each, obviously, after yesterday. But Collingwood, the surprise packet, stranded in last cam, won't be able to probably make the... Obviously, the, the teams that make their grand final, there's no actual final series. It's the just top, the top two, is it? The top two goes through the grand final. So you can pretty you. much put a line through it, Collingwood. No, Collingwood can't make it then. Not a good... Uh uh, 24 hours for Collingwood because a massive upset in the netball, Brent. Yeah, did talk see that? I didn't see that, no. So they, I knew they lost, but... Um, well, they were the raging favourites yeah. and uh, all the media reports were that, you know, it was almost the equivalent of an Australian team that was running <laughs> around for, for Collingwood. I think they had five or six players that have played for Australia running around in the midfield and the like, but uh, in the end they were beaten, which is uh, a bit of an upset. It is. All right. Well, there you go. So we, we love the AFLW. We're looking forward to seeing how it goes over the next few weeks. The grand final, of course, is about round one of the AFL men's competition so it will sneak up pretty quickly but uh, we're loving it so far that is our wrap of AFLW don't go anywhere, our segment which was the most popular on the show last year Cam, question without notice Good morning to you, waking up with the Water Boys for our first show of 2017 and the segment that was most talked about uh, on this program last year was this one Order, order Questions without notice with 7HOFM's Waterboys. Was a very popular segment, oh, a Ken. A lot of fanfare around it, <laughs> And for those that don't know, if you're just tuning in, it's where Cam and I throw a question to each other without notice. The name says it all, really. So, Cam, would you like to open the batting today? Look, I would, Brent. This one is very close to my heart. Will Roger Federer win another Grand Slam? Well... Cameron, I'm glad you brought this up because you do have egg on your face. Would you like to make a public apology, please? Because you did say for the last five or six years since he last won one in 2012 that he would never win a Grand Slam again. No, I didn't think it happened, Brent. I've, I've got to put my hand up there. Uh, it was terrific final. It seems a, a fair while ago now up against uh, Rafa Nadal, but... Gee, unbelievable, Roger Federer. What was he in the end? 30, how old was he? 35 or something? Four, something like that, yeah. Extraordinary effort. Uh, I just thought it was just going to be too hard for him to compete again. And look, he got close, um, but I did make the comment five years ago, Brent, but there you go. You I'll should never you what, ride off a champion. No, and I could have gone through the archives. I've done you a favour, but I just couldn't <laughs> yeah, be bothered in the end. There was some <laughs> nervous moments for me over the last five years, but I actually probably thought I... 
I would have uh, done enough to get through, but as we said. So, look, has he got another one in him, Brent? Well, I, I think I texted you on the night and said <laughs> I think he should retire now. Yes. And that's a great way for a champion of the game to go. But then I thought, why well, would you retire? You've just won a Grand Slam. You're the best player right now. Uh, your, your pet event in Wimbledon's not far away, so I, I renege on those comments, and I think he should go on. And look, Nadal, Djokovic may be there, almost past their peak. Yeah. So there is an opportunity to yep. still keep pinching one. Warinka's there and thereabouts. Yep. Um, so look, he's, he's still going to be right up there. But but some of those guys have got extraordinary records, haven't they, in reaching the last eight and last four of major tournaments. So Definitely. there you go, Brent. But I put it front and centre. I was waiting. I thought you'd have it first up. <laughs> look, I was. I actually forgot about it, to be honest. So you're off <laughs> well. the hook there. Um, question with that notice to you, Cam. We spoke about Cricket Tasmania's woes earlier in the show, but do you expect more heads to roll at Cricket Tasmania. We've got a new CEO and Nick Cummins coming into the job very soon. Um, you've got to wonder, and I love these two men in Andrew Dykes and Michael Farrell. They're wonderful guys, get on really well with them. But if the two coaches have gone, did they are they in some sort of trouble themselves, do you think, the chairman of the selectors and the cricket manager? Oh, look, I think there'll be a thorough review of all cricket operations over there. So, look, yes, they, they, they'd certainly have some scrutiny over their positions. We're obviously not in the inner sanctum, but, it's yeah, it's, it's been uh, interesting the way it's all played out in the last, uh, well, the last week. Um, we need a couple of new coaches now. So, look, those sorts of decisions, I'm, I'm intrigued, isn't it, when Dan Mars was, was reappointed? Um, what was it, 12 months ago? Yep. And, and the particular people that um, made that decision... Um, where does that sit now? What's changed? Obviously, it's been the results, and we're hearing about younger players that haven't come on. But in some ways, are those people accountable for that decision that was made? Well, as I or said, should they be? Yes. No, it's, uh, it's, uh, we spoke about it in the show, so we won't stick on it too much, but um, there's definitely going to be some questions to be answered in the next couple of weeks. There's no doubt about that. What do you got for me now? Uh, Brent, how concerned are you for the welfare of Grant Hackett at the moment, reading a lot about some substance abuse issues for him? Very concerned. Uh, obviously, they thought he'd gone missing the other day, which uh, is a horrible thing. He's obviously got uh, family problems, especially with his brother, who apparently allegedly punched him in the face, mm. and who knows why and how that happened. But uh, uh, he's obviously split up with his girlfriend, which hasn't helped the situation either. So he just needs to get himself to rehab, which apparently he's refusing to do. So until he does that, I don't think it's going to sort itself out very, very easily. Brent, is there a reason why... Uh I don't know, but a lot of the high-profile high swimmers do struggle after uh, Is it just swimmers or is it sp- some sports people in general? Mm. Yeah, uh, you could be right. Yeah, it's, um, I guess... When you, they get out of that full-time environment with structure and day-to-day yes, routines... that's and the then, thing. All, then all of a sudden, mm. um, they're out in the public domain, trying to get a job, all those sorts of things, and uh, for whatever reason, the transition into life away from their sport that have put so many years in dedication and devotion to becomes a very difficult task. Yeah, no, you're spot on there, I think. Um, and then you've got all the money as well to go with it, so it's easy to buy certain things, isn't it? So uh, no doubt we'll hear more about that uh, as the weeks go on, Cam. One for you. Were Geelong's jumpers on Friday night the worst you've ever seen? Didn't like it. No, it was some sort of... <laughs> rugby setup. Rugby top, yeah. wasn't it? yeah. No, no, that didn't uh, go down too well, I wouldn't have thought, no, for, for okay. John fans. I don't know whether there was much on social media. Brent, you're across that forum more than anyone, <laughs> so was there much feedback from uh, that? I, don't, I didn't say too much, but I wasn't uh, actively, actively looking for it either, Cameron. Right. Well, Brent, which of these players will have the biggest year? Joe Danaher, Jesse Hogan, Tom Boyd, or Darcy Moore? 
That's four very good young players there, Cam. I'll say Jesse Hogan. Okay, why? Yeah. Although um, he's he's sort of broken out already in a way, hasn't he? Whereas uh, and, and Tommy Boyd, I loved him in the grand final last year. I thought he was stiff to not get the the Norm Smith. Uh, loved. I, I was there when. Um, Darcy Moore played a, a breakout game against my Eagles at the MCG last year. And Joe Danaher's just going to be a superstar. So that's a very good question without notice, Cam. I'll say Jesse Hogan because he's going to be an absolute gun. Uh, we know that already. And so are the other three. So that's, a, that's too hard to answer. Sorry. Well answered, though, Brent. <laughs> yeah, well I didn't really answer it all, did I? Um, final one for you. Does the AFL preseason need to be scrapped? I heard some comments from Damien Barrett on his podcast the other day saying... The AFL season should be 17 games. Play each other I'm once. I'm not sure I agree with that. But just, just think about it for a minute. You play each other once. Every game, as he said, every game counts for something. Because there's not, not many of them. Everyone's so important. So I don't well, look, mind the, net, the networks, uh, TV networks won't go for it. No, that's thing. true. I think true. it's moving closer to a new fixture. Um, we're hearing a lot about even as close as 2018 where we'll have 17 rounds and then a floating fixture for the last five or six and depending on where you finish mm. in the ladder they'll be broken up into 16 brackets and fighting for the top six the last few places in the eight maybe draft pick so that'll be interesting but Grant Thomas was a bit of a pioneer when you look back on, on some, of, some of the oh. uh, comments and a yep. very left field at the time you mm. know rotating the captaincy and so forth but he believed, yep, no pre-season games and just come in round one. Yeah. And how exciting would that be? Fantastic. If you don't follow, do you follow Grant Thomas on Twitter? Yes. Fantastic. I love. He'd be good to get twice. on the show. He would actually. We might uh, flick him a message and see if we can get him on. Brent, have we got the right day for the Hobart Cup? No. We haven't. No. Okay. No. No, that was disappointing. I was at the luncheon camp, so I didn't see a lot of the crowd till sort of mid-afternoon. I went down for a walk in like a ghost town, which was disappointing. Um, I think there was more people up in the ledger, which I couldn't see. It's that competitive far. around this time of year in Hobart. Though, it isn't is. There's a lot of boat festivals. But the thing they need to do is pick the date and stick to it. It's been changed that many times from right. a Sunday to a Monday, from the week of the regatta. Now it's not the week of the regatta. So I think there just needs to be some consistency there as well. Fair enough. And it would help if you could bring your own booze in again, I reckon. Yeah, but, uh, true. It really uh, I agree with went that. back a few notches in. But uh, I love the Hobart Cup. It's a great day. If you go, you, you'll really enjoy it. And it is episode 253. Let's just look at that for a moment. Seven years of the water, boys. We've come a long way, haven't we? Not a bad effort. Um, <laughs> look, 253 games. Eddie Betts, James Hurd, Harry Collier from Collingwood, Peter Matera, Norm Smith medalist from the West Coast. Eagles, Brian Wood, Premiership player at Richmond, went across to Essendon, and Bruce Nankervis. So some big names there. No players play 253 goals. The highest uh, first-class score for Doug Waters with 200, was 253, one of my dad's favourites, 1500s. Uh, over 74 tests. Uh, this day in sport, it was the second Winter Olympics Games that closed in Switzerland back in 1928. And, 1980, and in 1980, Ian Botham made 100 and took 13 wickets in the Jubilee Test Cricket Match at Bombay. What's that now? Mumbai. Uh, what's a Jubilee, Brent? Is that uh, some sort of 50th anniversary of a significant uh, event? Isn't it a golden Jubilee? Yeah. So uh, there you go. Louis Taylor turns 22 today. Also, Dawson Simpson turns 28. Socrates, the uh, great Brazilian soccer player, was born on this day in 1954. And Hannah Manlakova, a Czech tennis player, won uh, a couple of Grand Slams, also got citizenship for Australia. She was born on this day as well. 
Very good. All right. Do we go into the music? We now? do go into music, Brennan. This was a difficult one. Are you going to go first? Oh, look, I can. Um, honourable mentions first. I'll, I'll get out of the way. Uh, the locomotion from Kylie Minogue. La Bamba was. I love La Bamba yeah. back in the day. Old time rock and roll, which is my dad's favourite song. Yeah. Good morning to you, Dave. Uh, Slice of Heaven. Uh, oh, I mentioned that Dave earlier. Dobbin. Yeah. Uh, very good song, and that was almost my pick. You keep me hanging on. Kim Wilde. Kim Wilde. What are you going to go with? Time of your life, Walk maybe. Walk like an Egyptian. Tom yes. Is that on there? Yeah. Susanna Hoff, so it was one of my favourites. Oh, that wasn't on, mate. We are obviously on a different list because that wasn't on there. Oh, Electric Blue. Final Countdown. Da, 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 da. So, come on, oh, Brent. You've named about 20 there. Beds are burning as yeah, well. they're I coming just, to the oars. Oh, what do you got? I've got this one. For no reason at all, because oh, I, could have had, I could have had any of those songs. It's, it's a classic really from the hard. Slippery When Wet album. It oh. was a ripper. you got to ask yourself which song couldn't you live without almost, don't you? Out of yeah, that list. without. Well, that's interesting, Brent. That's good a good segue, segue into my segue. song. Apologies to uh, Neil Finn and Crowded House for Don't Dream It's Over. But I went with With or Without You by U2. Going. <laughs> uh, let's not do a karaoke. Uh, mate, they, they, that was the toughest decision I've had to make all week. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> some good. And I've had to make some tough decisions this so week. So next week we'll go to 1988. It's just going to get tougher. Does. Are you sure Don't Dream It's Over yeah. was 1987? Yep. I went, what do you look at? Wikipedia? For oh, the look, top I just have my sources. I think you're wrong. I go to my album, oh. my extensive cassette <laughs> collection, Brent, and look Both it up in the sleeve. <laughs> Very good. Well, it's good to be back, Cam, anyway. It's been fun this you morning. Too, Brent. Lots to talk about and lots more to come next weekend here on The Waterboys. We hope to catch you from 8 o'clock. For a written transcript of the 7HOFM Waterboys, please write down everything you just heard. Breno and Cam, back again next Sunday on 101.7 7HOFM.